Welcome to the River City Ramble and City SC Report special crossover episode. Two great local podcasts, folks, coming together to give you all a special St. Louis City SC 2024 season preview. My name is Steve from the City SC Report, and we'll go around the table, and you all can introduce yourselves and which podcast you represent. And if it's uh, none of the two, then that'll be a surprise to probably all of us. So, <laughs> so go ahead and start, whoever. Hey, I'm Michael Hafner. I, uh, you might have heard me before on City SC Report a couple of times. Uh, Steve and Joe have had me on here as a guest. And then you can also read uh, my soccer writing for the club on the team's app and website. Uh, I'm Mason. I'm the producer and co-host from River City Ramble. I'm Mike Turner, host of the River City Ramble. And I'm Sean. I am the resident cave-dwelling hooligan of the River City Ramble. I'm Chris Zimmerman, unless you're my landlord, in which case I'm still out of the country, um, and I'm on the River City Ramble. <laughs> we, we won't tell him. Uh, and this is Joe Chambers, your other uh, regular co-host of the City SC Report. That's right. All right, so welcome, guys. Glad we could do this. Um, so I, th I think the way we're going to do this is I'll start a topic, bring up some questions for our little roundtable here, and we'll just talk, talk our little hearts out and have some fun. So, sound good? No, you know, I'm excellent. Down. I'm out. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> something came up. I got to go. Yeah, yeah I'm just, late. Got to get that up again. Here's hold, the keys. Hold the tub thump. Do we have anything and, uh, to even talk about? Like, has maybe, anything happened? There might be a little bit. All right. First of all, did any of you attend the uh, season rally at the Armory yesterday? I know I saw Chris and Michael there. Yeah, definitely there. Yeah, pretty neat. Anybody else happen to make that? No, we didn't make that. We we are geographically challenged. That's, that's quite <laughs> all right. One of the things I was surprised to see on stage, which I don't know if you noticed, but Kojima was up there, which almost led me to think like, oh, we might have a first team signing without them even announcing it. If not, it's nice to include him. Yeah. yeah. Well, he, could, he could be on loan to City too, but he's yeah. still first team. You yeah. know, yeah. there's a lot of things that could happen. I mean, the yeah. team has them listed on the roster on their website, don't they? I'm pretty I sure I saw that. Let me double check. I, yeah. I actually have the website pulled up. Right. Well, because Pete Wood had... Um, Totland Durkin and and uh, Durr is how you pronounce his Dur name. Um, come up and you know introduce themselves, but he didn't have Kojima do it. So I, know. I don't know. I think uh, we yeah. just it was more and more been confirmed to us that it's up in the air. That's what we know now. That makes sense. If I remember correctly, uh, Max Schneider was on the roster all last season as well and didn't didn't appear. Well, okay, so they have Kojima on the website. He does not have a number listed. on but I don't think any of the uh, new signings do. I don't think Toutland or Deer. Uh, no, they I'm don't. Gonna, nope. Sorry if Totland I'm Totland does not. Neither him. does Olivares. So, so Kojima, yeah, he could still be looking at a first team. Or, yeah, like you said, it could be like a Schneider situation where we keep wondering if he's going to make an appearance with the first team. Uh, yeah. Either way, it's encouraging. Uh, you know, you want to see that from the, the guy you drafted. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, Toland and Deer, uh, Durr, I suppose, we're <laughs> expecting a lot of playing time from them than they were in right. preseason. So if they don't have a number still, Kojima, you know, who knows. But that was a problem that Max Schneider had last year where he just he just he sat there on the roster, no number, no nothing. So, I mean, technically, Chris Durkin doesn't have a number either on the website, and he's guaranteed to get some serious playing time, I was even say, as a after starter. That Galasso, uh, oh yeah, absolutely. If he doesn't, if he doesn't see any starting minutes, I would be very upset. <laughs> well, he got nope. to be on the mic yesterday for the afternoon. Like he got to talk a little yeah. bit. So I think fans are excited about him. So it was cool that the whole team was there, which I wasn't expecting. I don't know if you guys expected that, but. I thought maybe a couple of the players would be up on stage. I wasn't expecting everybody. 
Yeah, I, I like how a Blum answered uh, with his own Galazzo. Another another Blum Galazzo. Every yeah. only bangers from number six. Yeah. So while we're on the topic, we might as well go ahead and get started with the 2024 city roster, as we know it here on Sunday, February 18th. We're not expecting any major roster changes, but could be you just you never know perhaps the window's like, still open yep perhaps yeah. like you said a uh, city two loan kojima maybe uh who knows we'll see but for now make a steal in the uh, miami fire sale that's happening pretty yes. soon they've yeah. got 24 hours they are yeah. on the clock i mean taylor would look good in city red yeah. uh i'll run through the roster quick like if i am missing someone or any changes please speak up and then i'll follow with a question or two for you lovely dudes so really quick you some of these names probably sound familiar such as the goalkeepers, this Berkey guy, Bent Lunt, and newly promoted Christian Oliveras are our three keepers. On defense, Tim Parker, Joachim Nilsson, Josh Yarrow, Kyle Hebert, Anthony Markanich, Jake Norwinski, and round that off with new signings, Nicholas Durr, Dyer, whatever you want to call him, and Thomas Tots Totlin. Uh, the midfielders, we've got Edward Leuven, Jabula Blom, Thomas Ostrock, Celio Pompeo, Indiana Vasilev, Akil Watts, though he could see more or equal time at a fullback position this season, maybe, fair to say, uh, Rasmus Alm, AZ Jackson, and a new addition, Chris Durkin, and the forwards, without one Nico Gioacchini gone, we now have the big two, Klaus and Sam Adenarin, Caden Glover, and Thor Nokvi Thorson. And still no decision on Kojima or McSorley, uh, both guys who impressed this preseason, especially Kojima. And uh, I'll go ahead and list our players loaned out since they are technically still roster players. Miguel Perez, Isaac Jensen, and Selmer Pedro. So, with all that, what do we think of this lineup? What do we think of the roster? What do we think of the new additions? I, I think the biggest thing needs to be stated first, and that's we made strict upgrades at outside back with Totland and Durr. Um, <clears throat> the good thing is... Uh, that Totland can actually play both left and right back. He's played both pretty proficiently in his career so far. Um, and that's going to come into play with the fact that Durr is actually listed as a left midfielder. So he can play more forward and has a more forward attacking mindset. Uh, so in, in that situation, we could see Watts get a run out back on right back. Um, we might see Jake Nerwinski actually get some significant playing time if we're in a more attacking mindset. Um but it gives a lot of versatility as well. But strictly speaking, strictly upgraded at the outside back. And that was our, our biggest issue. And we've been saying it for since before we even started playing last season that we needed true outside backs. Yep. Yeah. One thing with Tolan, too, is that he's a dual national. He has American citizenship. Right. So he does not take an international slot. That's huge. Um, the other fullback, uh, Dyer Durr. He's Danish only, so he does. Mm -hmm. But Totland, that's kind of a big deal. Is that you know that that's an international slot we don't have to spend. Well, and you mentioned Kia Watts um, earlier, and he's mm -hmm. somebody that kind of filled in some of those. Uh, I think he played more right back last yeah. season, yeah. Um, and that's one of those things that I I worry now because of the depth that we have and the strength that we have with these new signings that he's going to get kind of buried in terms of playing time. Ahead, One thing I like with the pickups is this gives us a whole lot of competitions at many, many spots. Um, Winger has it. Up front, we don't. Yeah. We're thin. Uh, expect some movement perhaps during the summer there. But what really intrigues me is what's going to happen in central defensive midfield 
with Blum and Durkin. Both. There's somebody really pushing Blum if they don't play him together and how that's going to work out if they do. There's a lot of intrigue heading this season, and I like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good problem to have. Yeah. I said my main oh, big picture takeaway with the, the moves made this offseason is that Lutz and Carnell believe the system's working, which I don't know if you uh, paid any attention to all last year, but I think it's a pretty safe assumption to make. <laughs> but, you know, we heard it a million times in the lead up to last season build the spine and work out from there. Well, Seems mission's accomplished on the spine. Now we're adding strength out, out wide, which I'm, I'm a big fan of. I like the direction we're headed in. Yeah, that's all great. I'm, I'm still a little worried about those wide midfielders, though. I mean, Carnell always says in interviews they're, they're not true wingers, that that's not what the setup is. But I would have liked to have seen that be upgraded as well, and it wasn't. So we got to see who's actually ready to step up. It is... Alm, who was mostly pretty good, ready to actually play better? Is he ready to move up? Because if not, he's going to need to be upgraded. Is Thorson going to be okay out on the wing with a full preseason under him? Because if not, it, he didn't show us much last year, but it, that was a you know a late addition. Is somebody like Celio looking to start rather than come off at the bench? Is somebody like Ostrak looking for more minutes? You know, who, who's going to fill in those spots? And I'm not really sure yet. I I, I have a bit of a uh, my own thoughts on the on the subject is when it comes to out wide, you're going to see two of three people starting out wide, and it's going to be some combination of these three. It's either Celio, Thor, and Alm starting. Like you said, Alm's season was most was very injury hampered, and he was out for long long right. portions twice. Uh, he's still coming back from that hernia, mm -hmm. uh, so he may not start right away. But if he can get a full season under his belt and actually string together a long string of games, I think he can be really good. I saw a lot of flashes of brilliance from him last season. Uh, Celio has looked very involved in this preseason, and I know it's preseason. We're talking about practice, not a game. We talk <laughs> about practice, practice. but uh, no, he's he's looked very strong on the dribble and 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 shown more confidence in that. And they showed the confidence in him and playing him more more often this preseason. And Thor, he's played all across the front. He can play left, which is a preferred side. He can yeah. play centrally as a striker if we absolutely need him to to come off the bench. Um, and also he can play as an inverted winger on the right side. So I, I think he's the utility guy across the front. He's still going to see starting minutes. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if we go with that two strikers and have Sam and Klaus on the field at the same time. He comes off the bench as a sub for one of those two guys. I'll throw another name out there for the wide midfielder, Indiana Vasilev, moving back mm -hmm. up to where he probably belongs. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the things I was thinking about is in terms of like the healthy starting players that – isn't necessarily like a gamble, but like we know that they can produce results. And it's like you put Celia on the left, Indy on the right, AZ in the middle, and then Klaus up top um, and do that sort of like 3-1 there. Um, it, it'll be interesting because it's in the absence of Nico and Stroud, you're missing now 15 goals right there from just last season. So Stroud had five goals, Nico had 10. And it's like, can you have now players that can kind of step up, whether it's Celia, whether it's... Um, well, hopefully a healthy Ostrom. Klaus is yeah. going to pick up some of that slack because I mean, obviously he missed a, an awfully big chunk of the season last year. So, But like 15 goals, that's a third of the goals that we got last season. You know, and so that just over a third technically. And so that's the biggest question mark is, can you have players like AZ, Celio, uh, Thor? Ostrak. Ostrak. He's got something like, to fulfill. Yeah. I really think AZ 
is a guy who I think is going to make them find a place for him on the field. I, I think he is going to pick up a little of that. Um, I, I'm just not sure what the formation looks like if he's starting. Is that him that, uh, underneath Klaus uh, up top, or what are they? Is he I, I'm not sure. Wide? I, uh, because he can. We've actually seen him play starting? wide before, well, and he can do that, but they don't seem to like putting him out there. I, I said it a bunch of times last season on, our, on, on the Ramble that – AZ plays much better centrally, and if he play, if they're going to start him, he's going to have to be playing as a ten. Which and is I, what Carnell seems to want to do. Yeah, yeah. The, Carnell seems to not like playing him out wide, even though I, I do think he has the skills to do it. He, he's a he better does. fit at a ten. Yeah. So I, but can you put him and Lubin on the field at the same time and and still Lubin, get the movement you can that move you want? To the eight. I think he's better playing further back to facilitate mm. between uh, the defense and the offense. It's what do you do with Blum and Durkin? Are they going to play have the field at the same time, or you have to pick one over the other if you do that? Now we're getting a traffic jam yeah. through the yeah. middle of the midfield, which that's I mean that's Champagne a good problem. problems. To have. I will take that, but I'm still worried then of who they're using out wide with that. So that's we're back to where we were. I think just the fact that a we're down to just two dedicated strikers up front, and with how well AZ is playing centrally, I think that forces our hand that we almost have to do four two three one with AZ central attacking midfielder Klaus starting, bringing yep. Big Sam sixtieth minute or so. It just mm-hmm. feels like, I mean, we four two 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 could still work, but four two three one seems like the obvious choice, especially with the schedule congestion early on, where you really want to be playing Klaus and Sam both ninety minutes four games in 12 days or whatever it is. I'm, oh, yeah, I was just going to say, I, I definitely think that's sort of the formation I would, I think they're going to lean towards. Um, again, I think, though, one of the things that I'd noticed last season was AZ is somebody that on the games that he came off the bench, I thought he looked much better than the games he started. And so, again, that balancing act of who do you put in those those three you know, I think the the four is pre locked up. The two, we've got your two strong suits there, but then that that middle three is the, where that's where a lot of the questions arise. And what you said about uh, Jackson being better coming off the bench, I think Pompeo's set the way he plays to come off the bench. Yeah, Vasilev was very effective. Well, he was effective with Inter Miami coming off the bench late. There's three guys right there that can change things. And Ostrak also used to come off the bench to replace Alm when Alm ran himself into the ground. And I, I, I think one thing that, you know, we're, we're talking about congestion, congested fixture lineup here. You know, we've got Champions Cup. We've got MLS. We've got Leagues Cup, you know, in the middle of the season. And eventually we're probably, hopefully we get Open Cup as well. Um, as much as I don't want to congest the, the, the schedule even more. But... You know, you can look at it as a problem of who do we play, who do we play, but when you've got that many congested fixtures, you've already got a bunch of guys that can that can start, mm-hmm. potentially, and then you can rotate constantly and get these guys' minutes that way and never have them actually get tired, which could really be a benefit, especially for this style of high-energy, high-press, you know, win the ball in the other team's half all the time style of play, that the energy drink soccer that we use, you know, it ends up running out of steam at the end of the year. And we've seen with Red Bulls for the last however many years they get to the playoffs and they do nothing. And we saw that with City last season. Yeah, I think given the fact, you know, early season we're doing, was it four games in 12 days roughly, just the rotation you have to do to facilitate that, it may be a hot minute before we see the A-plus starting lineup actually start. Yep. Well, and I think, too, you know, we've, 
we've seen this now in interviews um, pre-season now with like Berkey and others where they've alluded to learning from the first season how you know maybe we're not gunning for that number one western cup maybe we don't need to win every single match like they can be a little bit more strategic carnell and his team can kind of you know not play to win um every match that you know you you play to live out this long season yeah that's what i was going to say i i think uh i kind of look at season two here as a big test really i think carnell i mean he has all the weapons now he just has to figure out how best to utilize them and having so many games like you touched upon is really going to bring answers to that to that test to see where everybody fits in it and and even with the forwards if it doesn't work out you know then maybe during european summer that transfer window opens up do we get go after that uh what was his name cedric uh tukert totland tukert yeah do we if he's still available do we go after somebody like that if things aren't working out it we'll seems see. like yeah. we got a lot of powder, dry powder to work with in the summer and that DP slot. So yeah. there's possibilities to find out what's missing and be one of the teams that comes in with a big signing. Do something or with that Nico money. With we, got, we, we got the money from selling exactly. Nico Joachini. That's the, the whole point of selling guys on is turn it around into new players. Yeah. And if they're getting the kind of money that people are saying that they got for him, that was a great return. So let's see him hopefully reinvest it. Two don't, million and then two if they get promoted, I think, is yeah, what it is. So but, but they got to get promoted. Don't forget, we also would have to probably buy an international slot because I, th- I think we're full up at the moment. We Not just, to get too nitty-gritty into the rules dojo, but... I don't know. We just cleared two with Nilsson Oh, that's and right. Yeah. That's right. Nilsson and Luven yep. are, yep. are on the green card process, so that, that would free it up, which to me says we're going after a big DP in the summer. I would love to see it. Yeah, we've got the one international slot, and you know, if we wait till summer, then we know exactly how much of that geo money we have to spend. So yeah. So um, so long as we're still discussing the roster here, here's another question for you all. Kind of fun. We know that Carnell likes to adjust the formation depending on the circumstances, who the opposition is, who's healthy, what seems most effective, etc. Um, last season, City seemed to use the 4-4-2 and kind of 4-2-3-1 formations most of the time. Very fluid, but on paper, that's how the games began. I mean, we know that those positions weren't true <laughs> during the game. But without uh, breaking it down for each formation, if Carnell ran with a 4-4-2, or I'll even give you a 4-4-1-1 with our current forward situation, who do you think will see the most time at each position? I'll start. Who's your starting eleven? Um, going with a well, four four two, as you said, four two yeah. two two. However you want to call it, whatever you want to throw um, out there. Uh, of course, Berkey. It gotta be heaven no, forbid. Yeah. No, no, no. All of <laughs> ours, all of ours starts all season. <laughs> yeah. Heaven forbid. Um, well, you're going to see Parker Nielsen. I have to assume, though, he needs to show up better because Hebert or Yarrow's could take his Yarrow. place. Um, the, the new guys, Totlin and Durr. Though I think Markanik's got something to say about that as well. That's what I love about the competition. Yeah. I, I think we'll see him mostly in those uh, tournament games. I'm sure. also mm-hmm. calling it uh, Blum and Leuven, and then uh, Alm and Jackson, and a Dinneron and Klaus by the time it all shakes out. I think Jackson, even if he doesn't start early on, by midseason will probably have solidified a place, and then he'll be gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the, that's the downside. 
I was thinking we were going to probably be doing it four two three one, but I'll stick with the four four. Whatever, two. whatever you want. Really. Yeah, because um, I was looking at this and I was like, what was I thinking here? Um, <laughs> but I mean, like you know, the back five, like keeper in the back four. That's it's pretty much going to be that. Mm -hmm. I did have an idea if we did do a four two three one, they might put Marcanic out on the left, and then what we could do is put. Um, Leuven out on the left to collapse in to give Marcanic a lane to run in, and then that's Jackson and Leuven there in the center paired up. That's a very weird formation to run, but that kind of helps yeah. clear up that log. Jam. Well, and we saw Carnell experiment with that mm -hmm. later in the season last year with Leuven out on the left, which would free up that middle for Jackson. I just, I've I've definitely been on the record in previous episodes of not liking that. I don't like <laughs> Leuven out there. I I don't think it's the best use of his skills. But if it's a matter of trying to get guys on the field, that would not shock me to see Carnell try something like that. Yeah, I also don't necessarily agree that it's the best use of his skills because he's yeah. most effective like as an eight, as a box-to-box, -box, mm -hmm. and you can't really do box-to-box -box out there. But, I mean, you know, Marcanic is very effective up front. He's good at attacking out from that wing. So, you know, that gets Leuven on the field. He's our best player, probably. You want mm -hmm. him on the field. And then that gives uh, he collapses in. That gives Marcanic a lane to run through and attack from that left side. But mostly, I agree with Mike. I think that it's probably going to be like that. Um, depending on if Alm gets hurt, though, I think that we could see a lot of Vasilev um, get minutes. And I think that Celia is going to get a good chunk of substitute minutes in that super sub role that he was used in, especially because he worked a lot on his finishing. It looked like he's a lot more dangerous in front of goal. Um, on his own rather than just uh, dribbling at guys, which he was very effective at as well. But he's he's a weapon on his own now. Yeah, talk about champagne problems where the best player on the team is so flexible. So, you know, bit terrible for us who like to make predictions on the internet, but it's great for Carnell <laughs> that, you know, Leuven's probably any non-defensive position, a top three player on the team, you know, wherever you put him. So, you know, where do you put him? I don't know, wherever, whatever was happening that week. Um... <laughs> I mean, like our back four is kind of obvious. Totland, Parker, Nielsen, Dewar. Um, so I'm going like my thing would be four, two, three, one. You got to put at the two, two sort of more defensive midfielders, Blom or Durkin. They're going to be fighting for that spot. Put in Leuven. And then for the front three, I'm going um, Vasilev on the left, AZ in the center, and Celio on the right early on in the season. Hopefully, all will get better. And then, yeah, we got to start Klaus up top and then bring Sam in later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I like that lineup. I think what, what you're outlining there sounds like what, what I would hope to see. Um, you know, I, I, I'm waiting to see what we see from Celio and what kind of minutes. Is he going to be looking at starting early? Um, that would be great. I actually I would like to see him move out of that. He, he was he was good in the super sub role, but to see him stealing those minutes while Alma's you know, getting up to speed here, I, I would like to see that. Yeah, I think the big question mark is still, um, um, you know, can he, it, we haven't seen him for an entire season. Like, it, it's it's so hard because we were used to just not seeing him out on the field for the first season. So it's like, in my head, it's like, yeah, Celio and Indy and AZ for that, like, middle three there. But I would love to see Om um, just because I think he, the games that we did see him, he was so strong on the crosses into the box, like, really accurate, like, he just had this like beautiful arc to his kicks, and I just mm. I would love to see him um, get some minutes. But right now, it 
he's still a big question mark for me. Yeah, I mean, Alm was the most underrated player at that beautiful mm-hmm. part of la- mm-hmm. the start to last season. Mm-hmm. Easily. Yeah, e- even when he seemed to kind of vanish into the game, um, when he got hurt, we there was a steep drop off in our quality, and it's because well, what's changed? Alm's gone, mm-hmm. and he does dirty work. I, I think one thing that we're kind of missing here, um, I won't get too far into my my starting 11 because I've already kind of gone over it quite a bit to the, today already. Uh, one thing we're kind of missing here is the fact that Stroud playing out there on the left kind of may have buried Celio more than we thought it did because Bradley Carnell loved running Stroud out constantly. Every single game Stroud played because mm-hmm. it was it's Jared Stroud. He, he is the... He ran all over the field. Yeah, he yeah. was. He Literally was. The, he was not. I don't want to say epitome or quintessential, but something similar to that. I'm, I'm blanking on the actual word, but he's the the blueprint for the kind of player that we're looking for for this system for that to play an energy drink soccer, and so BC put him out there just about every single game, and it, with him gone, I think that really frees up the left side mm-hmm. for Thor and Celio to mm-hmm. fight for minutes, and and while Alm is gone, you know you can throw. Either one of them on either on either side. I think Celio prefers a left, but I think uh, Thor might be just as comfortable on either side. Uh, so we might see both of them start with, and then it's just a matter of do we play a a, a, a number ten being AZ or do we play with two strikers? That's uh, a that's an important point though. That yeah, Stroud it fit the system that they were trying to run, where he was going to run at guys, he was going to be able to press, but he wasn't always consistent i think he frustrated a lot of us and so it's it yeah if somebody else like celio is ready to get those consistent minutes and just because you're not the the blueprint of of a pressing guy i think that could still end up being a, a significant upgrade and so let's hope that that works out i just think that's where our big question marks are still now stroud probably got the job because he kept scoring goals yeah but the thing about stroud's career was he was open for us to get him because he did a lot of good things but he did not score goals so that's exactly where alm was how many times did alm have good shots and not put him on frame last year there's a very chance that alm could do that work on the other side pick that up and uh, change it over so but that's why stroud was worth something to be able to trade away you know we don't get a lot of player for player trades in this league it's not you know we didn't sell stroud we we swapped him and bartlett for durkin and i I think that that set him up to actually be trade bait for a a win-win trade which that's what you want like it it's an upgrade for both teams they're going to be happier with stroud because he did he showed that he could uh you know he could do that and and then durkin gives us depth where we really needed it so i i'm glad for stroud that he added that to his game i just I, I don't think we're going to be midway through the season just wishing he were back. I, I don't think it's that kind of a move. Yeah, for me, the, the two players that I think are going to be um, interesting to, to watch is with AZ getting that January call-up from the U.S. men's national team, which we didn't mention yet. But like, I think that's going to be a huge ego boost to him. I think he's going to come out with something to prove. And I think Bradley will kind of pick up on that confidence that he has now and we're going to see a lot more minutes and ask a lot more from him than you know his young age would i hope so i i I think it might be that what might exacerbate that and make it even more so put a bigger chip on his shoulder is he got what one minute of a run out at the end of a game to stall it out he didn't even get to play it it was it was what a a three-game window or three-game camp or was it only two games one 
No, there were. I thought there were two games. No, they just played Slovenia. That was it. I guess one. There was a second game. I I guess I'm misremembering. But either way, he got one minute, and and it and it wasn't even a productive minute. It wasn't even probably a full minute. So I I can definitely understand him seeing that as uh we're giving you a run out just because you showed up. And now he's got some. He's got a huge chip on his shoulder saying, "Hey, Triple G, look at me. Look Mm -hmm. at I'm you know." I'm Mr. AZ, look at me go, you know. Well, and the January camps have always been about calling up the young guys to take a look yeah. and see. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I, I don't like to think of, like, the January camps as indicative of the rest of the year. But it is, that is a huge, that being said, it, it's a huge honor that he got called up. And it speaks volumes for um, what he's been able to show at City in just a short amount of time. Yeah, Um he was he was the big breakout star last season, right? And so the biggest question about him is, is he going to keep that up or is there going to be some sort of a fall off with him? I don't foresee that. I think that actually he's going to be so good for us again that there might be interest for him in the summer window. Uh, before we move on, I actually I messaged uh, our friend Matt Baker about this too because I was curious what... His starting eleven would Matt be Baker like truly is everywhere. <laughs> he, 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 he's not he's, even in the room, and you can't see him. He's over there. Yeah, he's in the room. You know, your therapist asks you, "Is this Matt Baker in the room right now?" You're going, "I don't know, probably." <laughs> Who Are is this Matt Baker? Matt Baker? Then Matt Baker. Yeah. Matt Baker can't hurt you. So uh, <laughs> he's Beetlejuice is everywhere. <laughs> so he would run with a four-four-two. His same obvious defense that we all put. Um, for his center, Leuven and Blom, he put uh, AZ and Indy on the wings and Klaus and Sam up top. He said he loves the idea of AZ and Indy able to cut in, plug up the channels, and allow our fullback space to push up. I thought that was pretty interesting. So It's not a bad idea. I do think uh, when it comes down to formation, and this is probably just me daydreaming and not anything realistic, but... Um, I'd be interested to see what the, you know, go back and look at, at, at the starting formation, quote unquote, for each game and, and compare what they were at home versus what they were away. Because it seems when we run out in the four two three one we end up being more aggressive and pushing further upfield. Mm-hmm. And I think we ran that out more so at home, whereas away matches, we ran with a four four two, which... You know, you have Leuven sitting a little further back, and you know you don't have one dedicated going forward central midfielder. Um, it's it, and, I, and I maybe I may have that flipped absolutely completely in my mind, um, but I know I, it, it seemed like one was more for home games, one was more for away games, and the one for home games was going and attacking the game, whereas the away games was you know sitting not necessarily sitting back, parking the bus, or any sort of like low block. It was it was less in your face with the press, which is, you know, when you're on the road, you play for the point, you play for the one, when you're at home, you play for the three, you go for the mm-hmm. throat. You know, that's how you, that's how you win world cup qualifying in CONCACAF. That's how you win, uh, you know, two sided, ter- you know, two leg rounds in, in tournament games. And that's how you win big points in this league and get, get into the playoffs. Uh, finally on the roster subject, who is your player to watch for this season? Your breakout player. Chris, you can start. I mean, we've talked to death kind of already, but I'm just really hoping Alm comes back healthy and has a big year. I think that's going to be the biggest bang for our buck when it comes to production. Um, I mean, it, uh, Celio, um, AZ, um, Elstrak, 
we need Allstrack to click on pretty badly. Um, he was kind of middling last year. He had some good moments, but he's he our did, super also sub. didn't show up. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Thor, Nokby Thorson. He, if he is like locked in, and it looked like he was playing a lot better with the team when he was running out in preseason, he becomes all of a sudden a very valuable weapon for us um, up front. That's that's basically we get a free attacking player mm-hmm. out of nowhere. That's a good point. Yeah, for me, I think it's Chris Durkin and Celio. Um, I think Durkin is really strong on the ball and just confident. Um, I think he's going to get, get a lot more minutes than we expect. Um, and I think Celio, too. I, I think he's really deserving of it. Um, I know he kind of came in as a super sub last season a lot, but I think this season we can definitely see him probably making a lot more starts, and I'd love to see it. Yeah, Celio would be mine. I think if if Celio is the breakout for the year, then I think that'll be a very good sign for this for this uh, squad. We've got about a half season to Big Sam, and we've seen what he's done when he gets a chance to start all the time. I think Big Sam's going to have a big year. Are Are you saying Sam's going to play Klaus out of a spot here? Are you going <laughs> to no. be so bold? No, I, I, I. Who would possibly? Say okay, that? okay. I'm sorry. I just had to start some so a little bit of drama between no, ourselves. Not I'm at sorry. all. But uh, I can see a dinner on going for twelve plus this year in goals, and Klaus doing even better than that. And that might make up the goals. But uh, Dineron has always scored when he started, when he's been at USL Championship, a ton of goals. Scored a ton of goals in limited experience last year. He's got it in him. Yeah, because if he, if he and Klaus could just split Nico's goals from last year between them, then we're not going to see that loss. Now, again, depth is still going to be an issue if people are getting tired with fixture congestion. But and injuries. But if those two can stay healthy and clicking, there's our goals. I uh, just read a stat this morning that if you project Klaus's goals over a better number of minutes last year, uh, he was on pace for – he should have had 19 goals. Um, I, think that was, I think that was a golden boot pace. Yeah, that, yeah. you know, he he would have been right there in that, you know, if, if he had projected over, you know, yeah. a, a full season. And that's – and Klaus doesn't have a long history of injuries, so it's not like a guy where like, oh, no, here he goes again, you know, on the bench – he doesn't have that kind of record. So you got to figure you can pencil him in for more goals than last year. And if Sam can put in 12, like you're saying, uh, there you go. Then I, I'm feeling good about our, our goals for numbers. Yeah, I think for me, one of the things I noticed last year, obviously, is Klaus and Nielsen. They were both kind of come into the club with a lot of expectations, high-profile players, and neither of them didn't see a full season. And I think there's still a little bit of question marks for me, as well as I think some other fans, like, is Klaus going to live up to the expectations? Is Nielsen going to live up to the expectations? And I guess that's the question I've got for the group. Like, do you have more confidence in Klaus or, or Nielsen for this? I mean, I, I speaking for me personally, I, I think Nielsen will uh, – I, I have no problem with him over a season. Uh, I've seen some fan rumbling online where they're not sold on him. I, I think he played well when he was out there healthy. Um, Klaus what worries me about Klaus is it depends on who we put around him because teams are going to know to target him this is not the beginning of last year where where other squads weren't sure what to do with him until midway through the season and by then he got hurt I, they're going to come out now with game tape they're going to know how to 
how to defend Klaus. So we're going to have to put the right people around him to get him room to work. And if we're not doing that, if we're letting defenses key on him, that could hurt Klaus. Whereas Nielsen is at a, a position where he can kind of make his own luck as a center back. Um, and so I, I'm less worried about that than Klaus, who's going to be dependent on factors that are not in his control. Who's getting him the ball? Who is behind him? Uh, you know, those kind of things. One thought I had with um, Klaus's like support players is that when Klaus came back from injury after Jackson was on a tear, Klaus and Jackson actually didn't mesh very well. They kind of ran over each other and didn't communicate very well. In preseason, they looked a lot sharper together. They were very dangerous. So Jackson Jackson could all of a sudden now be Klaus's wingman, just feeding him stuff into the box. And Jackson's very dangerous on his own. He's quick. He's little. Mm-hmm. He can split defenses on his own very quickly as well. So I think that those two players right there could be really bang-bang, especially with Big Sam up front as well. And on that, you know, with with adding on to that with the, and on, on to what you said about game tape, um, now that they, the game tape's out on Klaus, you know, they're, they're going to be targeting him. They're going to – he's going to pull both center backs more than likely. Um, having the strict upgrades at outside back, they're going to f- – they're both more more comfortable going forward, and that can you know like like BC said, our wingers aren't true wingers, so they can slide in a little bit more centrally. That gives us an extra two people in the attack, adding more width while also clogging up the midfield, like Matt Baker said. Um, you know it it and that not only gives us more options going for people to run into the box and receive balls. It has defenders out of position. It has more more players outside putting the ball in, and it, it's just all the chance creation in the world now that we have true viable options outside to really provide that with. I don't have a lot of questions about Klaus because even though he looks like a deer getting out of a car, uh, if you saw his goals, he's a Brazilian, and he has a scoring touch in front of goal that hardly anybody else with a much higher profile has in MLS. One thing I will chime in on uh, is my player to watch for the season, my breakout player, uh, for me, it's it's Jackson. I think this is his year. You know, four or five goals, eight to ten assists would be perfect. And of course, even if he doesn't get numbers like that, just it's what he does off the ball that will continue to make him dangerous, creating those chances. And I, I think this is his season. Yeah. So I think none of us mentioned Jackson just because we're kind of all taking it for granted. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he's a superstar in the making. He really could. He looked like a ball of fire in preseason. Yeah, he, he was ready to go. Ball of fire and hair. As they say. <laughs> yeah. is, don't, don't catch that hair on fire. We don't need that. <laughs> is, is he more of a breakout player this year, or is it more of a proof of concept and taking a next step? I would agree I, with that. I, I, I think for AZ that, that that's more of what the goal for him is, is taking the next step and less of having a breakout season and becoming a yeah. name. Yeah. Um, I think what the – We've talked a lot about guys that are primed for a big season, but it's not 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 throwing shade at anybody here. But I think everybody was kind of picking guys they want to have a good year. And the more I think about it, I think the guy that's most ready to have the, and in in a good position to have that big year is Thor more than anybody mm. because of his utility up front. He can play all three positions across the front three. Mm-hmm. So I th- I think he's going to see uh, arguably the most consistent minutes of of anyone on the team not named Berkey or on the back line or named Leuven or Klaus. Like, he's going to – of our attacking players not named Leuven or Klaus, he's going to see the most consistent minutes because he can play anywhere. He can he can give rotations so guys can have breaks when we need to in a midweek game when we've got – because we've got 
we'll get into that the schedule yeah. later. So we'll but. see if he steps up. He, he will. Yeah. I think Carnell's going to give him those. He, he's going to get those chances to run out there. I. It's what he's is he going to do with giant it? question mark. What is he going to do with those with those opportunities? You can give all the opportunities in the world, but if you do nothing with it, then that's on you. Let's hope. I, I mean, that's again would be a good problem to have. Though I I want him to be stealing minutes away from the rest of these guys we're talking about, and and we're worried about having too many options. I think you can uh, put it down as the motto for this season is prove it's real. Mm-hmm. Everybody broke out. The front office, the fans, the most of the players on the pitch, the coaching staff. Now that you broke out, now prove it in a second season. I think that goes for Jackson in a big way. He was a big breakout. I think it also goes for Sam Adineron, as I mentioned earlier. Yeah, You say the fans need to prove it. I think yesterday the fact that we had market backed up for a half a mile for like two hours straight shows that, uh, yeah, no, the, fan, the fans are still here. Oh, they don't have to prove it to me. Yeah, They just yeah. got to prove it to the rest of the no, world the that, fans, I, the that isn't paying nearly as much attention yeah. as I am. Anyone trying to make a left turn out of goodwill yesterday uh, knows the fans are still ready. <laughs> All right, moving on. Let's talk about the schedule. It's an interesting one, and it's hard to believe that it begins this week. We have the Champions Cup match in just two days, leg one of the two-game series here at City Park, which, by the way, we are favorites to win. Houston is starting the season with a Corey Bairdless team already, and now definitely without Quinones uh, out with a season-ending injury, and it looks like Herrera is most likely out too. And then the uh, home opener is this Saturday versus RSL, so beginning the season with two home games in a row is a thrill. But let's talk about the schedule in general. The schedule was released back in December, and just as a reminder, here's a few facts. 34 regular season games, 17 at home, 17 away. More midweek games this season and a few Sunday games. Five Wednesday games, three of which are at home, and three Sunday games, two of them at home. And that's not even including the Champions Cup games or League's Cup when they're announced. So it's going to be a busy, busy season for City. City will play... Seven matches against Eastern Conference teams. Four new ones this season in New York City FC, D.C. United, Atlanta, and one away at New England. And we'll match up once again versus teams from the East we played last season, hosting Chicago Fire this time around, and going to Miami this season, and also away at Cincinnati this time around. No road trip or home stand longer than two consecutive matches this season. That's pretty impressive. Uh, City will once again play three games against Sporting Kansas, but this season, two in Furniture Land and one at home. Our final home match of the regular season will be versus Houston on October 5th. And decision day this season will be October 19th at Minnesota United. But here's kind of a crazy fact about our schedule before we get some input from you all. By March 30th, we will have already completed our home and away versus RSL. By April 14th, same with Austin. And June 15th, Dallas. So we'll be finished playing regular season games versus three of our conference rivals by the time we're halfway through the season, three of them done. So with all that said, I want to start off just by opening up the floor to comments on this schedule. Do you like it? Don't like it? Is it balanced enough? Does it favor City? General thoughts, go. Well, one thing I think is that by the, by the All-Star break, we are going to be sick and tired of Houston. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. Uh, we, I, I have seen enough of this dude. <laughs> it's it's giving COVID season NHL where we played the Coyotes oh 
eight games oh in a row God. to start the season. It was yeah. a playoff. It was a playoff matchup before the playoffs yeah. were even in in the conversation. The only team in NHL history to lose a game seven and keep playing. <laughs> yeah, one of the things that stuck out to me was just look at the month of May. We yeah. play Seattle, LAFC, and Cincinnati. Like, mm-hmm. all in the month of May. And it's like, oh, gosh. That's just going to be... Uh, it's going to be either really exciting or really depressing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the end of the season as well. Uh, the last four matches of the regular season, you get um, those overly litigious bastards in Kansas on <laughs> on uh, September... I can't even remember my writing. 20th. nine On the 28th. Then, midweek, travel out to LAFC... Then back to St. Louis against Houston, and then a break, and then two weeks later, travel to Minnesota for decision day. Hopefully, those games don't matter for playoff seeding or or getting into the playoffs because that's a tough run. Yeah, because that that does worry me. I mean, LAFC are always good, um, especially at home. And so playing them at home on short rest, I haven't looked at their schedule to see if they're probably on short rest that same day with it being a, a Wednesday, but. I mean, we're coming off of a, a Kansas City game, so you know that the team is going to be up for that. And then to have to turn around and fly out to L.A., I, th- that worries me if we're needing those points. Yeah, last time we had a short rest against LAFC, we got a draw, which is a acceptable result. But if you're in a tight playoff race, it's probably not going to be enough. Yeah. Well, you mentioned the number of teams are going to be done with by mid-June. We also we don't play Minnesota for the first time until the middle of September. Oh, is that right? Um, Which is just weird, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, Minnesota might actually be good by that point. Who hey, knows? Hey, at, at least Reynoso will be with them all season. Yeah, at least so. he showed up this time. <laughs> yeah, See? he actually showed up to camp for once. Yeah. But the figuring out who's going to be good earlier and who's going to be good later, like that is a, a consideration. You get a team like Real Salt Lake, who last year started out not good, got good as the season went, and now we're playing them twice right away at the beginning of the season. Mm. I mean, I think they were kind of overplaying their roster later in the season last year are they going to regress back or are they going to continue that kind of better form that they had because that's going to make a difference when we have two games against them early is that going to be you know games we should be worried about or are those games where they're going to be off to a slow start again I know, Steve, you mentioned the the rematches we have this year. And I think the Miami rematch is just the league wants to bring the league shiny new toy out to play Messi. But um, I'm hoping that this means that um, Cincinnati and Chicago are permanent fixtures. You know, we trade oh, off yes, every year. Yeah. I would I would That'd love that so much. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah, give, I mean, they're they're arguably close. They're, they're our closest rivals, but they're mm-hmm. in the opposite conference. Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the uh, okay, they're not as close as Kansas, but... I think we're going to play Kansas three times a year, every year, until one of either until either the league folds, one of the one of the two teams folds, or inevitably, you know, massive schedule reshuffling yeah. of how they well, work yeah, their regular season. The, the sun burns out. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably more likely. We're going to see Kansas three times a year. It's going to yeah. happen. I think I, I want to see Chicago and Cincinnati because they are the next two closest teams, and the fact that they're in the wrong conference, we don't see. We need to see them every mm-hmm. year. I think uh, the three games against KC is just because the the conferences are unbalanced. So. So once um, San San Diego joins next year, that we're going to be back down to see yeah. them twice. Selfish a year. reasons, I'd like to see Nashville every year because where we're at in Southern Illinois, that's a day trip. It's not much further yeah, for that us than that uh, going to St. Louis is. Yeah, that, and that's uh, more road trips is always a good thing. So 
now we're back to needing a central conference, which is what we all always complained about when we had USL Bring soccer back the here. That put us in four divisions. Put us in put us in two conferences and four divisions like they do in the NHL. I, I could I could live with divisions if you know if they start limiting how many people make the playoffs. That's I the think problem our is divided enough. Well, we have. <laughs> well, this is our first year playing New, New England Revolution, mm-hmm. right? Yes. You know, and I think the fact that they got Caleb Porter now as their head coach. Uh, which I love. Like I've I've loved him since the Timbers crew days, and I just think Mason. I I, I saw that roller coaster. I, has a great season, then a terrible season. Goes somewhere else. You know has a what? Great season, I'm calling it now. <laughs> Caleb Porter is one of those coaches. I feel like he can make something out of. He doesn't need hotshot players. He doesn't yeah. need, you know, where like Phil Neville in Portland. I think is going to do terrible because he doesn't have anybody. <laughs> But um, look yeah. for Darlington Nagby to end up in New England come June summer. <laughs> yeah, it I think I think the result was a surprise. Wave, it's, it's, yeah, it's fun to see what he does. Yeah, I, it'll be exciting to see us play them just because you know we haven't really experienced that. I I do want to come back to that the, the travel just a little bit before we start getting in individual fixtures because when you look at it, we only play four times. Do we have two games at home back to back, and uh, three of those are midweek and then a weekend game. So that's three times, you know, almost every time we're playing two games in a row at home, it's going to be, you know, it's on short rest, which I understand playing the midweek games, playing them, to, you know, in the same place is great. Uh, saves on travel and, and, and rest. But that means there's going to be so much more travel in this, in, this, uh, in this season and not playing more than two road games in a row at any given time. There's not a lot of batching either. I, 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 I'm not going to get too far into it, but there's a lot of going out to one corner of the country, back to St. Louis, then out to a, the opposite corner, back to St. Louis, and then to a team that we could have played in, you know, two weeks ago, back to back with like a Seattle and a Vancouver. But, you know, we play one of them, then to St. Louis, then to the East Coast, then back to St. Louis, then out back to the the Northwest. It's it's going to be a big drag on a, on a lot of these guys with a lot all this travel it's going to be very interesting to see how we stand up to that and i th- i think that could potentially cause a bit of uh, more regression to the mean than we were than a lot of us are expecting or hoping for but at least they don't have to fly coach commercially anymore for yeah. all those matches yeah that's true you don't have to worry about them them sitting up over on the on the red eye flights with babies crying because their ears are popping and they can't chew gum. Yeah, the peanuts big, are stale. Yeah, Leuven next to Big Sam. Sam's got the center seat. That'll work out. Klaus on the other side. That'll work out great. You sit in the middle. You get both armrests. Those are the rules. Yeah, no. You you sit in the aisle. You get your you get your feet in the aisle. You sit on the window seat. You get to lean on the wall. But if you're in the middle, you get the armrest. That's I, I, that's the compensation. I, I think they would have to break those guys up because all those guys sitting in the same row would yeah. unbalance the aircraft and cause it to crash. <laughs> I Why see are we ACL, just circling the arch? ACL in the middle just yeah. uh, like uh, just squeezed in. Yeah, little AZ <laughs> squeezed up against Lubin who's built like a refrigerator. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's a lot bigger than you would think oh, in, yeah. in person. Yeah, he's built like a strider. <laughs> Any other comments on the uh, schedule? Anybody have anything I... to add? Got a couple ones here. Uh, The Eastern Conference, again, looks to be stronger early on. Who could predict MLS? I won't. Um, Then the West again. Uh, So games against the East is a way to get advantage over the West because who's playing who? And we kind of get a break on that. We're going to catch NYCFC early, and they've had a lot of changeover. 
Uh, we should beat Chicago and D.C. That's a bellwether game. That should be six points there. Um, so if we get get any points out of trips to New England, Cincinnati, Atlanta, and Inter-Miami, those will be bonus to give a good indication exactly how strong this team will be. I haven't looked at how the other competitors in the Western Conference, who they play, but uh, points you can get against the Eastern Conference in the West are probably going to be key at the end of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the West, I don't know if I'd say the West is going to be weaker than the East. I think it's going to be tighter than the East. This is probably the tightest we're going to see the Western Conference mm-hmm. in in a long time. Uh, I, I think there's really only two teams that aren't going to be relevant on decision day, and that's going to be the Galaxy and Austin. I don't think they made enough upgrades in the offseason to to be in the conversation. And even the Galaxy still worry me. I could see them squeaking into a oh, playoff yeah, yeah. spot. I wouldn't be surprised if they're, if they're on the bubble on if decision they got, day. They got pantsilled, didn't they? They got a new coach. I mean, they're, no, I, I don't see there. them challenging for a conference really? title, but I, they should be yeah. better than they were. Yeah, no, I, 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 I don't see them. I don't see anyone as truly out and out done. No one. There is no t- Toronto FC in the Western Conference this season. The Eastern Conference still has Toronto FC. They're they're the new Cincy. It, it is what it is. You just have to accept that. I'm sorry, Toronto, but yeah, you Toronto's are you are. Toronto again if you go back far enough. <laughs> this, this is true. But when it comes down to it, first off, I think I would rather swap the three home games we have against against the eastern conference for the three road games we have play the same six but i want the i want the three that we're playing away at home because those are strong teams that are strong home environments and play well at home versus three teams that you know they're not to say they're bad they're just not as good as the other three teams i want those the three really good teams to play in our environment and come here play in front of the north end and have us yelling and screaming in their face all day but you we know, kind of got that last season, so we got to trade off. That's huh? that's fair, but Mike's right. The Eastern Conference games are what's going to decide who wins the the Western Conference title, who gets the home the home first round home games, and it's it's going to come down to that. And it, it honestly, I think we should be able to get at least ten or eleven points out of out of those six games. Ten would be would be a really good result, but. You know, yeah, the east, the more. east for me, I, at I think least is, ten out of eighteen. Yeah, the east is is tough. I mean, I think the the top five teams are pretty locked at you know Columbus, Philly, Orlando, Atlanta, Cincy. Um, I mean, those t- those five are just incredible. They didn't lose a ton of players um, between in the off season. And so, I don't know. Since he's due for a little bit of regression to the mean, though, on their roster, I think they... I think they'll still be top five. I I think they... Oh, yeah, no, I I wouldn't... I'm not looking forward to playing them on the road. I think (laughs) that's going to be a tough game. But I, I think they... They they benefited from a little bit of luck last year where they got, you know, some results that... they're gonna. They're not gonna post as many points as they did last year, but they're no. still going to be a threat. They're a good quality. Yeah, you lost Vasquez. You lost Mascaro. Um, they gained Miles Robinson. Um, it's. I think since he's still gonna be good, I don't think they're gonna win the the shield. Right. Agreed. Well, let's go ahead and uh, shift. Then, since we're talking about other teams, to our conference rivals and predictions. Last season. Last season in the Western Conference, our city, of course, finished first with 17 wins, 12 losses, and 5 draws, good for 56 points, which was 3 points over Seattle. LAFC fouled with 52 points, Houston in fourth with 51, RSL with 50, Vancouver with 48, and Dallas with 46. And Kansas and San Jose finished both with 44 points to qualify and face each other 
for the one-off wildcard match. We'll fast forward to the Western Conference Finals, which paired Houston against LAFC. And LAFC walked away with a 2-0 victory, which set them up for the MLS Final against Columbus, which the crew essentially won 2-1. Now, here we are in 2024, and a lot of teams in the Western Conference made some major moves because they're all scared of City, obviously. 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 Do do we just want to get the big one out of the way and talk about the the, the potential juggernaut that is the Kroenke team? Yeah, that's that's what I was going to start with, actually. I think we just need to get this out of the way because they made... 28 transfers this yep. window alone. 28. I have to believe I guess they the finally most. listened to their fans after the yeah. writing that letter. I've yeah. never yeah. seen a Kroenke yeah. team Agreed. spend like this, I but agree. they spent... Well, I, my they Arsenal. Spent uh, huge. Well, Arsenal's different. I don't talk about the that's, red team. Who, who got blind to anyway. convince them to open the pocketbook? Because they've crazy. never spent like that. It's this. absolutely No, they didn't just... Tired of losing. Tired of finishing last in 2023. They went and got... Zach Steffen, mm-hmm. U.S. Men's National Team staple at this point, you know, whether he's starting or fighting for a spot with right. Matt Turner. They got him for goalkeeper. They brought in uh, Lawfulsen. They brought in Sam Vines. Georgie Mihailovic, they brought him back to the MLS. This Huge. team could absolutely mollywop this this league and just destroy the conference if everything goes right for them. I don't think it's going to. I don't think they're going to win it. I'm a fan, too. I'm so glad you mentioned him because oh I, I love him yeah. so much. Just, yeah. he, he deserved a little bit more a little bit more of a real Agreed. chance with Agreed. the U.S. men's national team, but that's a different to- conversation for a different podcast. But this Colorado Rapids team. The, this is a team that should be in the hunt for a home playoff game. Oh, absolutely. I, 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 yeah, I don't think they're going to win the conference, but if I were one of their fans, I, I think – that's my that's my bar for the year you is with that lineup this is a team that should be trying to win a home playoff game yep. you forgot one person they brought in a change they made they got rid of a good coach in robert frazier and brought in a terrible coach in chris armis and with all those changes is armis going to change his strides i don't see that happening yeah. Yeah, one thing i sorry, you know you had um, i just i yeah i don't think that colorado's is going to like blow the doors off of everybody but they aren't a free space anymore. They're a good team now. You have to actually contend with them. Yeah. I mean, going back to schedule talk a little bit, <clears throat> it's a team that's going to take a little while to click together, I think. And we play them June 19th at home and then July 7th away. So we're kind of playing with fire a little bit, kind of betting like, okay, that's midseason. Are they going to be clicking yet? Or are we going to get the, oh, they're still working things out version of the Rapids? Because that's a big six-point swing for us right there, I think. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one. Yeah, I mean, we saw that last year with Salt Lake, you know, yeah. who yep. looked terrible the first time we played them, and then we're a completely different team later in the season. Or even, you know, or Kansas City, who, again, we're putting it all together late, all of a sudden went on, you know, the best well, run in the Polito conference. Polito got healthy. Like, they, that, their, their, their success was entirely because Polito finally got healthy. Pretty much. And uh, with RSL, they were awful. They got Chicho Arango in the summer. Yeah. Paired him up with Pablo Ruiz, they were a terror, and then Ruiz got hurt for the rest of the season and they fell off a cliff. If they could both stay healthy, that team is threatening because Pablo Mastroianni knows how to somehow win matches. Uh, so just some other Western Conference pickups from these teams. I won't talk about outgoings. I'll just do in-go- incomings. Ingoings. I like ingoings, too. Okay. Uh, FC Dallas shelling out at least $9.7 for 25-year-old Croatian international striker Petr Musa from Benfica, which makes them that even more dangerous on the attack, paired with Ferrer up top. 
LAFC bringing Hugo Lloris as their number one keeper in. Washed, washed up keeper. Washed up French keeper. <laughs> Hugo He's Lloris. fine. He's still good. No, they're, they're hoping Didn't they, they say the same thing about Berkey? Yes, let's, they let's not forget this that. Is yes. true. This is true. And I, I guarantee you the reason they brought him in is because they were hoping to get a, another Berkey. Yeah, yeah, I bet. They were. I mean, you said you're only going to worry about ingoings, but like, okay, yeah, sure. L.A. signed Juris. Um, is there anything else we should probably mention about L.A.? Anything, you know? Um, well, everybody else leaving except for Buongo, who everyone thought was going to be the one that you was know, going Denny's to gonna, leave. Denny's going to be on this summer. Oh, yeah, absolutely, 100%. Well, is, is well then that would open back, up though? two DPs for them to splash the cash and mm -hmm. change to the league come summer. They did bring in Mexican international left back Omar Campos and Venezuela Venezuelan international forward David Martinez, Colombian forward Luis Angel, and most likely retaining Boanga's contract. And still no word on Vela. Last I heard, I don't know about you guys, but uh, though the addition of David Martinez Vela is still should do that just fine. with anyone. Could, could we could we sign Vela? Should he's we? out there. Should should we? I don't know. No, I don't know if I should. Would, would, would that just log jam us up even further? <laughs> they actually loaned out Stipe Buk, their big young signing from Europe last year, who actually played pretty good for a 19-year-old, and they put him out on loan. Hmm. But I think they were expecting somebody to come in, and somebody didn't yeah. come. Yeah. Uh, the Galaxy, we mentioned them a little bit, splashed a bit of cash after missing the playoffs last year. The first signing, Gabriel Peck, a Brazilian youth international from Vasco da Gama for $10 million. Chump change. Japanese international right back, Mickey Yamane, and forward Miguel Berry from Atlanta. San Jose lost Cade Cowell but gained Amal Pellegrino and two defensive players from Portugal in Vitor Costa and Bruno Wilson. So those, I think, are the biggest signings. Um, I may have missed a couple, but those are probably the names with the biggest impact. I think you missed one. Did Seattle I? got rid of Nico Dolodero and yeah. signed young hotshot Pedro de la Vega. Okay. And they paid uh, 7.2, I think, for him. So is it, a 22-year-old. Yeah, Argentine uh, uh, player. Hmm. It's He put up a lot of goals last year. I mean, he's – I think they're betting on him yeah. even more so than Jordan Morris to and, be wow. like their big league yeah. scorer. I mean, he was getting regular playing time and scoring goals at um, – I forget the name of the team, but they're currently fourth in Argentina right he's now. Also is, Lanus. Lanus, yeah. Yeah, he's also a facilitator. Yeah, he's also a facilitator like uh, Evander with Portland is, but also a goal scorer. And Rui Diaz hope, might be back and healthy, which is a big uptick for them. Seattle, Seattle are Seattle's the, going to be good. Seattle are the down team last to beat. year. They're, they're the top team back. right now. So. Yeah. They are and always will be the, the Death, Death Star. star. They're, I, I mean, they're the team that worries me this year. I, I don't. It, they, they were a good team they last scared. year. They've made moves again. I, I was looking actually. At, I, I don't usually look at the the betting odds going into the season, but I was curious today and was uh, checking, and uh, the the betting line is giving people much uh, much less money if you're betting on Miami or LAFC. Than on Seattle, I think if you're a betting person, you should bet on Seattle to make a run at the whole thing because you're going to get a bigger payback. And I, they're a better team than LAR, and they have fewer question marks than Miami does. I I would put money on there if I were the kind of person putting money in at the beginning of the season. And uh, not and to think that they are so strong that they gave up on a talent like Sam Adinara. 
Oh, yeah. 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 I, I think oh, yeah. we've talked about him before. I don't know. The name sounds familiar. <laughs> he he yeah. is Tiny good. Guy, right? I do like that guy. Yeah, yeah. He's real small, and he, yeah. he, play, he plays an attacking midfielder, and he's very facilitating, and he's good on the ball. I thought he was a defender. Yeah. yeah. He looks like a defender. So, yeah. <laughs> so, while we're talking about that, what, what teams were you then? Who do you think our biggest competitors are this season? I, I think I, I do want to say one team that doesn't scare me as much as, as they did just a couple weeks ago um san jose i know we weren't you weren't talking about outgoings but they they sold cade cowell to uh, to a liga mackey's team and that's mm-hmm. that's going to be a lot of their offense is going to be disrupted by that whether i mean <clears throat> even though you recognize christian espinosa as their number one player they're still going to be good but they're they didn't make a lot of upgrades of defense so they're still going to be a bit of a problem in the back but you know they could potentially put things together depending on on how things work without Kate Cowell, but you know they still kind of scare me. I think that Vancouver is going to be a big deal this year Sleeper because pick. they kept all um, they kept all their big pieces and they got Demir Krylock in free agency and. Vancouver was already pretty good. Demir Krylock could turn this team into a monster. They did lose Manny Sartini for the first six matches of the year, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like Miazga has left Cincinnati for how many matches because of He's him got following the ref? or into... Two left yeah, that he yeah. has to miss. Yeah, for me, I think St. Louis is still up there with the top yeah. three, yeah. four teams in, in the, our conference. So... Uh, Seattle definitely LAFC um, is always consistently good Um, I agree with Vancouver I think they're a team we should watch out for Um, Sporting KC they didn't do a ton of moves they brought in Memo Rodriguez, and that was really the only thing they, yeah, that, they, that they of do a note lot. as far as incoming. They're out, but they lost more, somebody. But like, yeah. I don't well, think they're yeah, Kinda. Kinda, 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 yeah. Kinda went back yeah, to right. Israel. Uh, Zusi and and Espinosa retired. ostensibly retired. Finally, there's no <laughs> official yeah. announcement on that, but I, yeah. they're gonna they're gonna but announce like, it think, when the season starts. Think about KC at the start of last season to the end of last season. So they lost their first ten games. I think it was mm-hmm. last season. So you're not fun gonna, to watch. You're not going to see that. <laughs> there's happen. two. There's two words that sum up how that happened. Alan Polito. Yeah. And he's never completed a full season. I, I've I've been harping so on, we'll on Polito is the is the important most important part of of Sporting KC for what three years now ever since he came in. So yeah, now if he can put together a full healthy season, Sporting KC scares me more. Than I think yeah. I think KC is going to yeah. be. A, they're going to come out a lot stronger than they did last season. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I, I think City, depending on some things, I think we're going to be in that like number three, four, five seat. Like, that's, that's yeah, that's that's where I would put us too. I, I don't think we're going to win the conference. I think teams are a little more ready for us than they were last year. We're we're not going to get uh, some of those lucky breaks, but still, no reason why they wouldn't. No reason why they shouldn't be in right in that range, three, four, five. If we can pull a Stroud on Stroud, though, when we play <laughs> when we play him, I, uh, I think we might be able to. But no, Jerry, you're, you're exactly correct. I, I think we're pushing for a home playoff spot, but I don't think we're pushing for for the Shield like we were last year. Yeah, let's let's keep going with that. Let's everybody give your predictions. Where are we finishing? I'm uh, I'm saying fourth. I think that's fair because I think Seattle, I think Seattle wins the conference. Uh, and then all these teams we've named, I think a couple of them are going to to jump over us. Uh, I'm still not 100% sure which ones of the guys that, uh, that, that you all have just said. And for the uh, second year in a row, 
Joe and I have now, without discussing it, made the same prediction for City's finish. Yeah. I just had to put that on the record. Yeah, I, I Joe, we were wrong last year. We're, we both thought they would finish a lot lower than they yeah. did last year. Hey, so we, we said made the playoffs, but that. we yeah. all thought that. Yeah. I I remember going into last season, I was arguably the most optimistic of of the of the us Ramblers, and I said, yeah, we're gonna be fighting for a playoff spot on That's... decision day, and the and the rest of them were like, okay, yeah, no, we're finishing in double digits, not necessarily last, but double digits, and I, you know. I could be wrong on yeah. that. I but think I think we said eighth. I think we said we just yeah. made the playoffs. I think we all yeah. had us around a bubble team. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That be... was that was like the highest anybody. Yeah, and that was being yeah. like sunshine and rainbows last year. It was like, oh, we might make the playoffs. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, what are you? When did you become an optimist? <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it's it, the rest of the the rest of the quote unquote experts had us going last. It's oh yeah. Whatever. Yeah. But this year, I I would have to agree. Sorry. I think. Um, I always I, I try to do my predictions in uh, with my head and then with my heart. My heart says second in in the conference. My head says fourth. Either way, I think we're getting a home play a, a home home field advantage in that first round playoff. I feel like we're a third place team, but Dallas upgraded and just we don't match up well with them. We could drop points to them. I'm not expecting, and it's MLS and the West is tight. I say third, but I can also see us fighting for uh, points to get in the playoffs at the end of the season with that tough run in as well. That implies we're going to have a regression a la Austin last season, <laughs> and I don't think we're going to have that big of a No, I, the West they were due so for that. We, we're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're too good for that much regression, but it's not yeah. going to be last year. Especially with our upgrades. But, yeah, uh, Michael, I, I agree with you. Same thing. I could see us finishing third, maybe fourth. Seattle, LAFC, Dallas, maybe RSL, um, Colorado. If they click oh, early enough in the season, I still season. don't think they're going to. If I don't they think click going. early enough in the season, yeah. they could push for a home playoff spot. I don't think they're going to get it, but they could get there. But if Vancouver's pushing for a home playoff spot, and it, I, I, LAFC is always pushing for a home playoff spot, really, not everybody is going to end up in those top right, four right. spots. And that's what I say, so yeah, for, somebody not they're going to get it. Right. Yeah. But, I mean, I think we talked about it a little bit, but like some of these teams like Alan Polito, Hector Herrera, like if these guys can stay healthy for their teams, then yeah, they, they've got a really good chance of bumping us to like the fourth or fifth spot. Um, But if they can't play an entire season, you know, I think we, we get into that number three. Are we, are we talking about guys with that X dog in them? (laughs) (laughs) That's RSL with Chicho Rongo and Pablo Ruiz. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's one thing we can all agree on though, uh, which was said before, remember who said it but the western conference is going to be very tight especially yep. towards yep. the top just like it was last season they were it was tight last season the west was down mm-hmm. seattle was down even though they finished <clears throat> second but they hung on with a lot of draws lafc fell off a cliff we were good enough to take advantage of it these teams are going to be better will be better but that means we could fall down the mm-hmm. standings we didn't make changes we didn't arguably improve you know from the outside looking in uh so we could actually be better and be further down in the standings perhaps even with a lower point total and still be a stronger better team that can win a first round playoff yeah that that's actually that's a very good way of looking at it I, i do i think this is a better team that will not finish with as many points again though but if you're getting the if you're getting those uh, a playoff window then that's worth it yeah i think playing a playoff game on the road though is always tough like you know we've talked about 
all of these teams in the Western Conference, like, like, like again, look at Houston. Houston was a really good team at home, but they were terrible on the road. Like, I think all of these teams are sort of like that in many ways. And our team wasn't as bad as others on that. We, we were stealing some points on the road at some places that I wasn't expecting us to get some points. Yeah. And, and, and that helped with that point total. But you can't always you can't count on those. Those are those are ones you're happy when they fall to you. But you know they that that fits with the you can have an upgraded squad and still maybe not you know win as many. But it you just hope that it's built to last deeper into the season. And our big boys who are Europeans really expressed the thought that once they won the Western Conference, they took their foot off the pedal. They did not appreciate no matter even if they've been here for a year and a half, including their time with City 2, they didn't appreciate what the playoffs meant in the American, in the North American sports system. It doesn't just mean soccer. In playoffs, playoffs is what matters, right or wrong. I think it's wrong, personally, but a lot of people disagree with me. Uh, but they didn't understand it because it's alien to them. They yeah, you, you've got to be able to make a push they, late, and that's it's a different kind of an animal. Yeah, than, they came yeah. out with intensity and beat up Sporting KC and played very well there in the regular season. In the playoffs, they got gobsmacked by the intensity of a team that had been through it before and knew what was. But going honestly, on. the we weren't but a couple of goals away from turning all of that around, and I mean, it, better outside backs like we have actually flip a couple of those goals right now like I think that I I don't think that that second playoff game goes the way that it does with Todd Leonard and Der Dyer Deer out there I I think that 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 made a difference you saw they were taking they were doing a good job of taking advantage of where our weak spots were it, what it was was Shallowy was just absolutely yes. torching Akil Watts Somebody all game, game all games. Just, yeah. just Watts was out of his series. depth. Yes. Watts was out of his depth, playing out of position against a player. And we who didn't knows have how to exploit that. And, and we didn't have a better option. Well, that was against. still we didn't have a uh, we didn't have anything else we could have done with that yeah. either, though. Right. So I would think that you know we're targeted upgrades are going to help in the playoffs. I, I think that really helped expose the fact that that's really where we needed to make those <laughs> upgrades in the off season was because. That's what that's what burned us so badly in the playoffs. Not just players not showing up, but you know the fact that we had one specific spot that that Peter Vermees saw and exploited with absolute precision to 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 knock us out in two two games instead of three. He is he's very good at what he does when it comes to strategy and multi game like you know multi multi game playoff rounds. Damn him. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean he's, <laughs> he a... he is. Sporting KC. I mean, he I don't like him, but club. he's been around the block. The, the, he, he, he is he the knows... longest tenured coach in MLS yeah, for a that. reason. He knows what he's doing, and you know, it's there's a reason when you're a Sporting KC fan, you say in PV we trust because you know you may not understand what he's doing, but it ends up working out for you in the long run. And we're starting to say that about Bradley Carnell. It's just, can he prove that he can do that as well? Bradley Carnell was in his first year as a head coach, but it's the, not the first time that he led a team into the playoffs. Because when he's interim coach of the Red Bulls, mm-hmm. taking over for Chris Armas, who failed with them, even though being their top assistant for years, uh, who, of course, now is with Colorado, mm-hmm. um, uh, failed so badly, he took him in, got him into the playoffs from a bad position, and got a playoff game with them. So he had been there before. Mm-hmm. So 
but the rest of the team is from the outside, first-year club, spent a lot trying to prove themselves last season, ran out of gas, took their foot off the pedal at the end of the season. And I think they learned a lot, a lot through that playoff experience. And you could see at the end of that second game, Celio especially was out there. A lot of them were really starting to play hard and figured it out. They just figured it out about 135 minutes too late. Yeah. As I say, it was too little too late to, to put it on. They they played with like they were feathering the feathering the gas to try to shift gears. And then when they finally shifted, it was, you know, too late. Sporting had already gapped us by about four car lengths. And a lot of these assumptions about how we can win by beating Shallowy and all this, is that we're assuming that Totland and Durr are upgrades over what we had. That's a and, good point. But we're assuming this <laughs> yeah. because we have learned in Lutz we trust because he's been spot on. It can't last forever, I, but again, we're still trusting On, on paper, on. those are definitely upgrades. So yeah. like th- those are guys who who definitely have a higher upside. Does one uh, of them have Champions League experience? Yes, Tallinn does. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and so um, the, the the upside is, is much... Durr does, too. Like I don't think the upside with Norwinsky is as big. Like I don't think I, th- I think Norwinsky can continue to improve his game and get some situational minutes and stuff. But it, his upside is not Champions League minutes. His, yeah. you know, his upside is MLS starter, maybe. Yeah. You know, US Open, US Open Cup starter if we get those games for sure. Norwinsky was brought in to be something that every expansion team needs is in MLS experience. Sure, and it was needed. But now we got the experience. Then you what upgrade. he brings isn't as needed as he is. Serviceable, but in a backup role. Yeah, I, I think the experience we get now just is it's going to come from Parker. He's yeah. been around the block a lot, and he knows what he's doing, and he he does it on the field. That's why he's mm-hmm. actually named vice captain. No, I don't know of any other team that actually has a vice captain. They have their captain, and then they have a guy that they'll you know put the armband on if he get if the captain mm-hmm. gets subbed off. But you're not going to sub off Berkey unless he's hurt. Right. Yeah. But we have an actually named vice captain for a reason. Captain and I, in charge of vice. <laughs> yeah, he's he's the one that brings the cocaine to the to the uh, after party. Well, that's Diego Maradona. <laughs> From the grave. That's how good he is at it. Just uh, one thing I think with uh, talking about like the if the fullbacks like don't pan out is we're going to kind of be in trouble if they turns out that they are as much a defensive liability as Nerwinski and Watts occasionally were because Watts was trying to just plug a hole. That's not really where he should be. And you could kind of tell Nerwinski, He's just not that fast, man. <laughs> I agree. No, Norinsky's not great, but like you do have Marcanic out there mm-hmm. too. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I think as long as they're not as much of a liability as Pip Boy, Johnny Nelson, uh, I think man. we'll be okay. Johnny Nelson can't wait till we play them. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's gonna come back and and you know he might have a chip on his shoulder, but I yeah. I think I think we could put Celio on him. And Johnny Nelson him. always had a chip on his shoulder. Look how well that turned out for him. Yeah. Uh, uh, does Shots anybody fired. disagree with the thought that the entire season hangs upon the very fact that Roman Berkey has to stay healthy for the entire season? I mean, yeah, there's I mean, no signs. Huge part of it. Of, there's there's no signs of doubt in in my eyes. There, like mm-hmm. there hasn't been anything that has led me to believe like he's kind of let up on the gas. Like there's other players that yes, like I I think fatigue kind of set in, but I think even into the playoffs he still showed 
exceptional yeah. performance. I don't think he can be as good as last year because statistically, it would be very difficult to be as good as last year. Maybe a fraction. Maybe a but fraction. But our defense in front of him is better, yeah. so he won't yeah. have to be as good. Right, and I mean, is I don't think there's a real history of him having injuries. In, in his entire career. I don't think he's been well, a very injured a, a player. A straight boot to the eye could put him out for a right, long right, time. Right, right, right. That's absolutely knock on wood true. right yeah. now. Somebody. Yes, everybody. Right. You know, everybody knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> why, why are we recording this on a plastic table, man? Why did you make this so hard? <laughs> Sorry, on my your bad. chair. Yeah, Listen, I'm not looking down. down. <laughs> but, no, I, I mean, it's it seems to be a, a bit of a, a trend with a lot of players that, you know, they get injured once or twice and then they become injury prone. You've got one guy, you know, he goes for long extended periods at top level and, and can't avoid getting injured i think it's not so much that he's avoided the freak accidents as much as he's positioning himself to not be in situations where that can happen um i think berkey's pretty good at that i think he can stay healthy he might we might take some time off for like cup games like if we get open cup i think we'll see either olivares or, or lunt get some get some minutes there just to give him a break and league's cup i think we had to surrender that i, I mean just, with, with yeah. champions oh. cup just yeah. loot can an Alvarez, yeah. whoever, yeah, I, I can don't, have I think that. we're going to see the exact same thing we saw we last year. Where it's too much. We're getting guys minutes, but I don't think we're going to take Leeds yeah, Cup seriously. I, yeah, I, honestly, I was <clears throat> surprised at how many like pundits and stuff were aghast at our Leeds Cup performance because to all of us like local observers, it was so obvious that we were just going to not show up for that tournament at all. Well, we that... had Columbus and Club America in, right. our, in our group. Yeah. We were yeah. going to get stomped yeah. anyway. And this year, even the, the competition's more even, but still, uh, you got to just abandon it. It's just... I don't know. I'd like to see us make a... team that won Liga Maxi. Like, it's just... Like... Well, uh, in yeah. the first round, though, I think this is the year when... No, you advance and then... Quit, yeah, then give up on it. Then don't, don't worry about it. No, no, I think you could come out and, and win your your couple of games, and and mm-hmm. then go out in the knockout rounds. It, it would be a little more fun, but I yeah. I don't want to see them put like a, a ton of emphasis on it. Yeah. But it, those are winnable games this year. Yeah, Warriors is a very beatable team. Yeah, those are the games where at least Cup is where you start Thor and you start Caden Glover as your forwards yeah. and just. Hope to God that they can get some goals in. And... But you give them the first, you give them the big minutes. These are these are still valuable yeah. minutes to be had. Against yeah, and top, then and then maybe sub in game. Big Sam or. Yeah. I got a question for the group. Yeah, uh, what happens if we come into the summer transfer window and this team is first or second in the Western Conference and has a good record? Does Lutz then feel the need to fill that third B DP to find a difference maker? to win in the playoffs and go far in the playoffs. Let's say we're playing defense, we're scoring, but we found out in MLS, really you win the cup by having somebody, one guy that's better or a top the, player. The superstar. Yeah. yeah. The Vela. That's or what the DP is. You yeah. know, the DP team. But can he find the guy to slot in that changes everything? And he doesn't even have to be a DP. He could just be. That's right. Like that the one guy. guy or one of the five somebody. that they've been talking about. Everybody's been saying, Lutz has his eye on five guys. The one guy that can take the ball in the box and put it yeah. in the net when he beats the, the man off the dribble. Do you think he'll do that? Or will he stay with I, the system? I don't know the answer. Yeah. If I had to hazard a guess at it, I'd say if we're at the top of the table again in the sum- when the summer window comes around, I think to the front office, to the coaching staff, and to the players, that's proof of concept. That this designated team, making a team that's better than the sum of its parts, is can work. 
And with the way that Berkey talked about in that preseason interview where he's like, we're going to be ready this year. And he's, he's gearing up these, these European guys to really understand this means something. And, you know, we, we, we're going to be up for the challenge this year. I don't think we go out and get, you know, a big name player. We can, we can win with that team mentality. And, you know, I think the only reason we go out and get some sort of big name player to be that star guy, to game, to be a game changer is if we're a middling team and could potentially, you know, have potential to be dropping out of playoff spots. I, I think that like, we probably should, especially, oh, yeah, absolutely. If, especially if we get that payoff from Nico and Como gets promoted. That's four. That's four mil in the bank. We should spend it to try to win the cup. Yeah, yeah. Lutz is such an enigma, though. Who knows what he is <laughs> yeah. planning? It is impossible to know. Plot twist: Lutz comes out of retirement and plays on the <laughs> plays plays as a player coach. But I think Bradley will look at like okay, to your point, like if we go into the summer at the top. There's a little bit of that flashback of last year where it's like, oh, we can't just stay the course like we did. Yeah, running out of gas. You know, you can't. and so I think he would I think he would ask Lutz like, hey, I don't want to fall the same route that we did last time. Like, we need to make a change. We need to put some sort of plan in place. I don't think with only the two designated strikers right now that it would make sense at all to not try to go for something in the summer transfer window. Yeah. You know, last season we had we had Klaus, we had Giacchini, we know that we had um a dinner on out on loan. If we only have Klaus and a dinner on this year, like you have to find a striker in the summer and I think they know that Well it was hinted to it as well for Manuel Veth of Transfer Market who covers yeah. the He's city as well as anybody out there. Uh, he said that Lutz had six names he was going uh, after. Five, six. But whatever. Lutz says that he's not after <laughs> a DP enough. striker, and Lutz has said repeatedly he's not doing anything till the summer market when people come out on a free. As we saw with Tuker, he's his contract's over. They still wanted unbelievable amounts of money to get him because MLS is rich. And teams are spending out of MLS where they're not in the rest of the world. I mean, that kind of sets MLS as but a strange. We are thin thing at striker. Does it have to be a, a big name DP striker, or does it just need to be a, another guy pushing for minutes? I mean, a winger. I mean, I, I hear yeah. Killian Mbappe is out of contract at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, 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 Mr. Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, hey, I'm, I'm just asking questions here, man. I'm just asking questions. I tried to take a lap on that one. I, I tried to take a lap, and like, I don't know, this yeah. basically is not serious here. Couldn't make it. We all know it. There you go. And now the rumor mill has started. And now we're all. Hey, someone's feel like get I heard it. I heard it on the podcast. That's that's you're, what's happening. You're going to step out people. of here. You can have a he's little. He's got a good friendship with the agent. He, he's going to work his magic. Yeah. You're going to step outside from here. You can have a little red dot in your forehead because you know too much. <laughs> <laughs> you know too much. Yeah. The PSG got shooters. <laughs> hey, I haven't gotten a text from my friend that's, a, that's actually a fed. So I think I'm good. <laughs> To speak about what Lutz is going to do, Mason and I had an opportunity at an event to have a 15-minute conversation with Lutz about all this stuff. And he talked to us very openly and said absolutely nothing. Nothing yeah. at all. <laughs> oh, he's very amazing engaging at engaging and very good and told us nothing yeah. other than the usual. The man managed to steal a penguin and not get caught for it. He is very good at playing things close to the chest. How do we not know this yet? He wrote a book about it yeah, and yeah. still hasn't been caught for it. 
it, Der Fanenspiel. You hear it's the same <laughs> interview over and over again, and you are still enthralled. It's mm -hmm. amazing. He's got the gift of gab. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because he's always said the phrase like, "St. Louis City SC is like my five-year experiment," mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and he got hired in 2020. So 2021, you know, was his kind of first full year. So it's like, are we at like the close of his tenure here? And that's the part that kind of worries me a little bit where it's like after this season, are we going to lose him? Like, cause again, we, we all trust him. Like we understand like his mind to some degree where we don't understand it, but we do understand it. Like yeah. <laughs> what's going to happen. And now his old boss in Germany, Ernst Tanner also came over for a short term with Philadelphia Union, he doesn't seem to be wanting to leave. He, I think Lutz is finding out too, working a team to win an MLS is a challenge that these guys got mm -hmm. that they cannot find anywhere else in the world. Yeah, he's said repeatedly a few times, this is the most interesting project in the world of soccer right now. Mm -hmm. Now, whether it's the same case three, four years from now, who knows, but right now I think we still fit that bill. I, well, next year will be San Diego. Yes. I, yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I will say, knowing MLS's track record on this, it is not going to get simpler in its roster rules or anything. So, <laughs> the only well, advantage is he, he, he's built the academy in his first year. Mm. He in, instated that. Second year was City Two, and then third year was you know Western Conference champions. You know the first team, and so it's like now we're entering this fourth year, I guess. Like, it, it's. It's we just think. interesting <laughs> to kind of think about that. Like, yeah. what's his next challenge? Yeah. Or is he going to stick with St. Louis? I, I mean, you would think he would want to stick around until we at least won some sort of major silverware. You know, like, mm -hmm. do we win MLS? Do we win anything? Yeah. That You would think that's what he would want to. I want the Open Cup first. I want the Open Cup That would first. be amazing. Yeah. That would well, awesome. MLS uh, has to give us back the Open Cup. They, yeah, they will. Yeah. They will. And when they do, I want us to win it because that trophy belongs in St. Louis. Yes. More than any other city in this country. We've talked a very long time and probably longer than we plan, but I'll drop a bomb on you. Did anybody else hear that the MLS VP in charge of like com competition has said that they have been challenged um, to rethink the entire structure of MLS and that they are expecting to give a report by mid-year to the league of restructuring the entire system of this i didn't oh sorry i didn't see that i think the only thing i saw was athletic which is pretty good there uh, wasn't there was an mls article that came out either yesterday or the day before something like that talking about um how they are having those meetings they always do around the all-star game uh and they were talking about restructuring uh finances and um youth but I didn't see anything about yeah, that. Yeah, he said that they were is. challenged to rethink the entire structure of how the league works, it, which is what we were all expecting well, when Messi came in, the eyes came in, and Apple TV oh, came in. But the it, money talks. It, we'll see. I, again, we'll see what that means because does that just mean streamline the roster rules a little bit, which it would be the bare minimum. We'd like to see that, but you know, yeah. There have been rumors for months of what do they do next year with the World Cup as far as the what does the calendar look like. You know, so it's going to be, if you're going to do disruptive things, that would kind of be the year to do it when you're going to already have to screw with your, your whole league calendar as, as it is anyway. So 
who knows what that looks like yeah i mean if they really actually wanted to fix the mess of the roster rules they probably would need to strip it down to the studs but like get rid of tam just make gam for starters it's just there's so many every fan has a better idea than what the league has there there, there's so many ways that they could go with that and all of them would be better than the current system this this is the one topic where being an armchair analyst will actually be better than any Mm -hmm. quote-unquote professional within the office because these rules are needlessly prohibitive and there's too many buckets there's too many hoops to jump through miami you're, you're seeing them break down again this because not because they did something illegal but because they got too creative and now they're stuck Mm-hmm. So it's it's the fact that this happened twice. If a team had to break down, be, if I had a nickel for every time a team broke their entire roster because they got too creative with the rules, I'd have two nickels, nickels, which is I'd have two nickels, <laughs> yeah. which is not a lot. But it's weird that it happened twice. Right. It's it's frustrating. It needs to it, the cap needs to go up, mm-hmm. and they need to simplify how you can use your money and make it the team's money and not Garber dollars. It's well noted and. Uh, that Jorge Mas of Inter Miami has been pushing for lax even well before Messi. Let us do this. Mm-hmm. Atlanta wants to do it. That's apparent. There's a lot of teams now. New money, big money. Uh, the fire. I think uh, Mancetto. Uh, what's his name? Mancetto. He would like to have more freedom. I think Toronto is pushing the budget. There are. Owners now that are pushing this, this chief soccer officers that run the clubs want to have a say in this. There has been a lot of push for a long time because the rules that are in place, the roster rules, the budget charge for DPs, was an arbitrary number set 25 years ago. It has no meaning upon this, and it's stuck. These things need to be rethought. They still need to stop the spending because I'm old enough to remember what happened to the NASL in the early 80s. I don't want that to happen again. And MLS is still not to that point to where they can allow free spending like you see in Europe. Um, They still need to have some cap control, but they need to lessen that. And, uh, I mean, if you're going to do things like the Leeds Cup and PR and bring in cash, you got the Apple TV there's the ability to allow teams to to have a, a ambitious owners spend their own money and give them freedom to uh, because there's a lot of interest now because these franchises now are approaching a billion dollars apiece. So if an owner can't keep up or gets in trouble, somebody's going to want to take their place. The problem is that the old owners that accepted a lot of debt don't want to do that. Yeah. But look at the owners of City. How much money have they taken on? Are they already a billion dollars in the hole? Not just with their franchise fees, but building the stadium, doing all the work, signing the players, getting them into City SC to give a winning franchise to a city that actually demands it. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to charge us as much for a jersey or the food at the stadium or the tickets or etc. Even... This team, who doesn't seem to have deep pockets, has a lot of pressure to say, loosen it up, let us do what we want to do, because we've already, we're farther in debt than, say, guys like Robert Kraft or Clark Hunt of FC Dallas, who Lamar Hunt founded this league. 
all those years of debt don't add up to what these people are in, and those people made their money back off of all these new teams and their expansion fees. Mm -hmm. It's there. And those are the owners that don't want the roster rules to change because they don't want to spend. <laughs> I, I think I think the big the big thing is the fact that this league is no longer a bur a, a new league. Mm -hmm. We've been around long enough. We're 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 into we're coming to a, an end of an expansion era, and I think at that point you need to start stabilizing. And if you're going to keep adding competitions, you need to have more depth. In order to have more depth, you need to spend more. In order to spend more and actually be vi have viable options as depth, you've got to raise the cap. Yeah, it's, we've it's, it's we've talked about that, that before. It's um, just that simple. Yeah. That's get rid of all those rules. Just raise the cap significantly. And say that's it. No, right. no, you know, getting Mbappe to come and we'll pay him. You know, give him the Bobby Bonilla uh, no, the, contract. The, the, that's, yeah, Just, no, that's how you end up as the Chicago Blackhawks of the yeah. 2010s, where they have 65% of their cap tied up in three players, and the rest of the team falls apart after they win one championship. Yeah. And it, it, you don't <clears throat> want that in this league. That's just as bad as, as a team, you know, not spending enough and being the Colorado Rapids for several years. You know, um, raise the cap. Raise the amount you can spend per player. Don't even get rid of the DP slot. Keep that. Just raise the amount that you can that that qualifies as the DP spot. It's I got absurd. one fundamental change that will change everything. Interleague transfers and all transfers, inter intraleague within the league, are cash based. You're getting rid of Gam and Tam. Put the salary cap as a real one. Cap it, cash. That way. All transfers worldwide are on the same equal basis. There's no hidden things. There's, you're open. There's no funny money. That mm -hmm. is one step that's massive when you think about how it trickles down through everything that goes through the MLS rules. Yeah. One thing we haven't also talked about is the fact that, uh, well, we won't have real refs for the first oh. game of the season. Oh. We totally missed out on that. Yes. You know, it's okay. I I wasn't going to bring it up. Yeah. Yeah, let's Man, I hope by the time we have the next episode, they've they've resolved uh resolved this quickly, Probably but the I, MLS makes is strong. Yeah. It's it's so the question you, is are the replacement refs going to be NFL level replacement refs or are they going to potentially be better than the MLS refs. I don't know. Do we uh, need to give the, the the 20 second version if anybody is listening to this who has not been following the news the MLS refs are about to be locked out by the owners uh, they've rejected the league's offer uh, and are holding out for, for more. So we're starting the, the year with replacement refs, whatever those look like. We saw what happened in the NFL a couple of years ago. It's it's not going to be We good. saw this in, nine, yeah. in 2014 in MLS but the eyes of the world were not on MLS then. Well, MLS, the stakes the were not is a, as high. It is a different league 10 years later. It's a, mm. a much bigger league, more teams, Apple more money. Apple TV getting yeah. the world transfer market and uh, Messi coming in means that uh, there's going to be a lot of this. Players going to want a piece. Refs want to want a piece. And you can't get mad at the refs for that, for wanting... No, 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 no absolutely not. Right. The, the, the raises should be there. They're and... going to be scrutinized closer, mm -hmm. more eyes in the, front of them. The, like, yeah. the fact that the guy that basically developed how to properly look at VAR, because the Premier League stole him away from us. What was his name again, Mike? Howard Webb. Howard Webb. He made he made pro what it is today. So He did it so well, so good at his job at coaching the referees to be where they are because they're miles ahead where they used to be um they deserve to get paid more 
uh, but but he did so good of a job. Premier League stole him for their refing organization, and I mean they deserve so they're doing a better job. They deserve to get paid more, and I, I'm completely with them on this. Uh, it's it's just that simple. Just unfortunate for us. Yeah, absolutely. But I but, I will gladly. I, I'd rather they're just. I would rather not cross the picket it, line. It, yeah. it really sucks to have to watch games with scav refs, but this is like, and it's a lockout, right? It's not a strike. Right. Which sucks. Lockouts always suck, but hopefully, yeah. the, the hopefully the, the ref union can turn this around and actually get what they want. And I've heard uh, people say, oh, the refs are awful. Uh, the replacement refs could be better. Oh no. No. No, 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 no! Yeah, what? No. No, 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 I, I have issues no, with refs. No, 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 no. I have issues with refs in a lot of games, but the last thing I want to see is people who weren't good enough to be MLS refs. That, there, there's no way that that's going to end MLS well for anybody. For Twelve years or more, and the refereeing's actually pretty good. And then I'll watch the EPL and realize. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's uh, not, yeah I complain that, about the rest all the time, but it's not. That we bad. all we all complain, but there there's a difference between that and and wanting it to go, to be more haphazard. That's that's yeah. the last thing we yeah. need. Yeah, the standard like internet troll response has been like, oh well, they aren't very good. Why do we deserve to pay them more? I'm like, well, the reason they aren't good is because the pay is so terrible. Like, if you want good refereeing, make it appealing other to anyone other than the most depraved people ever who are fine yeah. going through going through whatever they have to go through right now police academy dropouts yeah hey i mean i mean if they want to pay me i'll lace them up and rough a game or two i will you know I, it would only be if i was allowed was to join the union earlier about not crossing the picket i was yeah. just sure. about to explain You're as long on the as record, you know though. i could join you know as an actual referee i don't want to be a scab for it former uh, mls referee george gans here he's no. For all of the no, rest no, of you, no, 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 no. for all of you who do think you can do better, I know that uh, the Missouri State High School Athletic Association is always looking for more refs for uh, high school yeah. games. They're uh, what is it, forty-five dollars a game now oh, for see, high I school? Would, I would love to get back into um, refing. I don't think I there can do go. better. I just, oh, oh no, me I neither. I would be. I, I miss doing it. I, I, I don't want that job. It's uh, that is a very thankless, uh, you know, kind of a thing. But there you go. Uh, anybody who who does think they're better can always put their money where their mouth is and uh, and take that abuse. Not just MLS, but the whole entire soccer system in the U.S. for the national team needs better refs, new blood, people that are excited to put up with the abuse yeah. from people that just griping because our team didn't get the call and blast it, put everybody on blast. Step up. And, I mean, every other sport seems to be having this issue right now, too. Just... um. <laughs> Youth sports yeah. is miserable if you're a referee. Well, hopefully it doesn't come down to uh, slice of refs being on the being on the uh, front <laughs> front lines. But um, yeah, hopefully it gets resolved soon. And and uh, I don't know, it's going to be interesting for sure. But um, but guys, I, I I think that about wraps it up, don't you think? I, I think yeah. we've. I think yeah. We we've I've got, I've got 47 <laughs> other topics, but I think we've done enough. We might do that save, save it for still your own 45 yeah. minute rant midweek. <laughs> All right, up next, sock colors. Do they have to match the jersey? Let's discuss. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Here we go. No, 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 no. <laughs> the soccer equivalent of the drapes have to match. Them. I think then we have to get into power rankings of jerseys, oh and it's gonna be a whole yeah, thing. Y'all yeah. just better buckle up. This is gonna be yeah. a full Sunday soccer church service. Yes. Let's 
let's go. Stay, thank you Stay all for tuned. listening to the City SC report. It's time now to start the River City Ramble. Let's go. <laughs> well, uh, well, that that's uh, well, that was something. Um, <laughs> that, that's all I have. I'm, I'm seriously, I'm so happy we could do this. Uh, we need to do it again sometime yes. this season. Yeah, it was, it was a great insight, great discussion. Uh, just a lot of fun. So, yeah. um, thank, thank you all you. very much for having us. Yeah, yeah of absolutely. course, man. It was a great time. Of course. Great. Yeah. Thank you, listeners. Remember to follow both of us on our socials, City SC Report and River City Ramble. If you listen to only one or the other on their respective podcasts, try the other out. Why not, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely worth it. Email us with any questions or comments, CitySCReport at gmail.com. Uh, until next time, and as always, go city. Go city. Go city. Go city. Thanks for listening. Thank you.